Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Ah, well, here we go again. Week 15 of the COVID season. We're still gathered, but we're gathering in homes and in places all over. And so not only are we gathering online in Hillsong, Australia, but also Hillsong, California today, Hillsong, Phoenix, Hillsong, Dallas, Hillsong, Kansas City, and Hillsong, Toronto in Canada. I love the fact that we can all connect together. And this word, I believe, is gonna bless and help a whole lot of people. It's called, this is how we overcome. So are you dealing with the reality of life right now? I mean, we all have realities in our life and in a season like this in particular, those realities can be very vexing, very challenging. And sometimes it seems that things that are just coming at us that we really do need to overcome. I want you to listen carefully to these verses. It's 1 John chapter 4, verse 2. And it talks about how we know the Spirit of God. It says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh, not just that Jesus has come, but that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, who have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Or greater is he that is in you than he who is against you. So the word overcome, it talks about how the Antichrist spirit will come, but it talks about overcoming. That word overcome means firstly, something is gonna come, literally something's gonna come and you will go over it, overcome. Everything that comes against you, I believe in Christ, we can overcome. It's to me like a wave. If you're out in the surf and a wave is coming towards you, and what do you do? You go over it, unless it's about to break right on top of you, then sometimes it's better to go under it. But that's the idea. Something comes, we go over it. Secondly, overcome means to succeed in competition or in combat. So it implies that there will be a battle. People may be challenging what you have to offer. Things trying to come against you. And overcome, it means winning, simply winning. And then third, to overcome means to break through resistance. Well, if I look back at that text, we are told what is coming against us. It's in verse three, and it's the spirit of the Antichrist. <laughs> well, I don't speak too often about the Antichrist, but I do know this. I believe that when there is something coming against God's church, it's usually the spirit of the Antichrist. When there is something coming against God's people, you, it's usually the spirit of the Antichrist. In Scripture, the Antichrist, he's a personality, or she's a personality, uh, who will one day be revealed. And when the Antichrist is revealed, that's a real sign of the end of time, the last days. So the Antichrist will be everything that is the opposite, 
anti-Christ, the opposite of Christ. Also, he will look like Jesus, but he in fact is the antithesis to him. He had power to do signs and wonders, but the source of the power is the opposite to the Spirit of God. The source is the devil himself. So while Jesus is God in the flesh, the Antichrist literally is the devil in the flesh. And that will happen somewhere in the future. He hasn't come yet. Although maybe you know some people who act like him. <laughs> what I do know is this, that 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, it's telling us very clearly that the spirit of the Antichrist has manifested, is here now. Listen to it. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming is now already in the world, already here. And the spirit of the Antichrist against anything that shows Christ in the flesh. In other words, anything that brings Jesus alive and shows Jesus at work. And that spirit is riled by anything that manifests Christ in the physical world. So in other words, God is blessing you. It's obvious His hand is on you. Your life's going forward. Well, that riles the spirit of the Antichrist. I think he can stomach Christ in the spirit as long as he remains in the spirit. In other words, he doesn't mind too much about Christ in you. But the moment Christ is manifested physically, the spirit of the Antichrist will come against you. I know this, for example, when a church stays inside the church, inside the four walls, and it's really not making any impact. Well, uh, people don't care too much about the church, but the church builds a building, which represents a miracle. We've believed for it, we've given toward it, we've prayed for it. People have sacrificed for it. And now the miracle is right there. And it's not the building itself. It's what is about to happen in that building. Lives are going to be changed. God is going to move. People are going to come together. We're going to see momentum. We're going to see growth. It's those things we see happening in the building. That's what will cause the spirit of the Antichrist to come against you. Why? Because we put a stake in the ground. And it shows that Jesus is alive. What the people believe is actually working. That's why it riles up the Antichrist. So the spirit of the Antichrist is not too bothered when you have Christ in you, but he gets angry when you start to manifest him. Well, it's exactly like that for your life. And if you as a believer are filled with the spirit, but never do anything big, life may be quite normal for you. But God's got so much more for you. I believe that with all my heart. God has got so much more for you. And the day you decide, I'm going to build a business with the kingdom spirit, uh, you get your first miracle home. It, and it, it's just a great manifested evidence that you're seeing God working in your life. You're doing something significant. You're making that difference. Something for the world to see that what you believe is real, that God is actually at work, that Jesus is alive. That's when we see the spirit of the Antichrist rise up. So don't be surprised when people rise up against, well, God's glorious church. It's a funny thing. When the Sydney Opera House was built, of course, it's 
a global icon, the Sydney Opera House. Well, when it was built, it got so much criticism before it opened, that how much money it was costing. And literally the Danish architect was more or less driven out of the country. He left Australia and I don't think he ever came back. But once the Opera House was built, everyone adores it, people love it, tourists visit it. It's a pride of the city. It's a funny thing because it's like that with a lot of things that are built and we admire them. We admire them, but <laughs> it's an amazing thing. When the church was built, no one knew about Hillsong in Australia before we really had our, 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 our convention centre in the Hills campus, no one knew, really. Hillsong Church, our music was starting to really become known in Christian world, started to get known and getting influential in many, many ways. But in Australia, no one knew who we were. The moment we had that building, it's like all hell broke loose and churches everywhere. You never hear it said about perhaps another iconic building. Why don't you just give the money to the poor? But that's what you'll always hear when it comes to the church. Why don't you give the money to the poor? People can go to big stadiums in developing countries like the Olympics and the World Cup, for example, in Brazil or in South Africa. Beautiful, beautiful countries, but there's obvious poverty there. But I don't think too many people filled those huge gleaming stadiums that were built and thought the money should have been given to the poor. Of course we care about the poor. Of course we want to help the poor, maybe. Us having a presence on the ground is gonna make us more impacting in making a difference for the poor, but it riles up the spirit of the Antichrist. That's exactly what happens. If Jesus is spiritual, but never physically or materially manifested, nothing, nothing. The spirit of Antichrist only reacts to what is in the flesh. I mean, if you think about Jesus' second temptation, the, the devil pointed to all the kingdoms of the world. He said, they'll all be yours, Jesus, if you'll just bow down and worship me. All the nations, all the wealth, all the kingdoms, all the power, all the authority, I'll give it all to you. Luke 4 verse 6, the devil said to Jesus, all this authority I will give you and the glory, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Isn't that amazing? The devil said, it's in my power to give it to you. This has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. It's quite a statement and Jesus never debated that statement. Satan was effectively saying, you bow before me and I can give you it all. Jesus never called him a liar. I believe he knew he could go the easy route, bow to Satan, but it would be a counterfeit power. It would be Antichrist, the antithesis of everything that Jesus himself was actually about. And so Jesus clearly got all that power, but he got the real thing eventually. He said, all power in heaven and on earth is given to me. He was saying, I won't bow to you. I won't worship you. I will get it through my victory. I'll do it through God's will and God's purpose for my life. I think the devil does whatever he can to empower people and things to work contrary to Christ. It is to the advantage of the Antichrist when nothing about a believer's life testifies that God is at work. But when and if you step out to do anything extraordinary, you shouldn't be surprised.
If the accuser comes hard against you, comes hard against you. But the good news is when that spirit of the Antichrist comes, we go over. We can overcome. In Revelation 12, it tells us how we can overcome. Listen to these verses. In Revelation 12, verse 10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. Listen, for the accuser of our brethren. Who do you think that is? Who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame. How did they overcome? They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the seal, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath. Why? Listen, because he knows that he has a short time. His days are numbered. So Satan, he's the accuser. He blames, he looks at our faults, he condemns, he accuses, he opposes. He comes against us. The devil is an accuser. Here's quickly five ways I think the devil accuses us. First, he accuses us to God. When we fall short, when we don't cut it in terms of standing strong and standing firm, he hopes that God will give up on us. He never succeeds in that. But maybe grace and forgiveness are hard concepts for him to understand. God's grace never runs out. It never runs dry. But the devil will try to accuse us to God and then listen, he accuses God to us. It's like God's not gonna hear you. You've been faithful, you've sown, you've given, you've been in the Word, you've done everything you can to live the way Christ has encouraged you to live. But God's not gonna answer you. It'll make you feel like God has not held up His end of the bargain, that He'll let you down. And the third way He accuses, first, He accuses us to God. Second, He accuses God to us. And the third, He accuses us to our brethren. Brethren, it's the word the Scripture uses there. And so to other people, maybe they hear gossip, they, they hear rumours, they, they hear criticism, they take it on board. He accuses us to our brethren. And fourth, He accuses our brethren to us. You hear about someone else's mistake. You hear about someone else's failing and you think they should be disqualified. Yes, people can become so harsh. They can become so unforgiving. So He accuses our brethren to us. And number five, most dangerous, is He accuses us to ourselves, that's the devil's strategy. You start believing no one loves you. You start regurgitating your past failures. You believe your prayers aren't worthy, that they're not powerful enough. You're disqualified from expecting God ever will answer your prayer. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like your prayers don't go anywhere? Like they're just hitting the ceiling? You know, I'm not sure our prayers go 
I don't think they go, we think, well, my prayers, they just seem to hit the ceiling. I don't think, think prayers necessarily go up. You see, the Bible makes it clear. He answers according to the power that works in us. I think about how power, natural power is generated. When we drove to Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, shout out to everyone in Phoenix. And we went from California, shout out to everyone in California. So it's about a five hour drive. And many of you who have done that drive over to Phoenix would know that you pass somewhere out there near Palm Springs, these, these giant windmills. You see them in different parts of the world. And there's not maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of them. And my presumption is they're all there to generate power or perhaps like a hydro dam. And so same thing, it becomes a huge power plant and power gets carried on big, big cables and that power gets generated somewhere to a substation. And from there, somehow that power gets to your house and the power in your house is not all the power that's at the source, that's enough to light a city, that's enough to literally source an entire city, but it's all the power that you need in your home. And that's the same thing when it comes to our prayer. What works is the power that is in you. You have a substation and His name's the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? He's the power that works in us. The Lord says, before you call, I will answer. And that scripture in Revelation chapter 12, it's telling us how we overcome. When the spirit of the Antichrist comes, how we can go over. And number one is by the blood of the Lamb. When we sin, the blood of Jesus washes us. I hope you know that. So when we sin, the blood of Jesus washes us. I hope you know that. But what happens the next time you sin? The devil doesn't want you to believe you have any power to overcome the spirit of the Antichrist when that spirit's railing against you. So he'll have you believe your prayers have no power because you're falling short of God. How could they when you keep failing? The accuser tells you you're disqualified. I mean, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive? 70? And Jesus said, 70 times Seven. In other words, forgiveness, it never runs out. And if God told us we need to forgive 70 times seven, do you think that what He would do is less? His forgiveness, it never runs out. If you're a prisoner to sin, don't believe that you're ruled out. Don't let the accuser hold you down, but decide you're gonna overcome. How do we overcome? by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has already paid the price. He's already done the work. Much better than always asking for forgiveness though, is overcoming. Because what sin does is, it doesn't disqualify you. It doesn't put you out of the race necessarily. But sin will delay you if you're running in a race and you keep tripping and falling over and you get going and again, you just trip and fall over and you trip and fall over. It's just gonna take you a lot longer for you to get there. And you end up carrying so many more scratches and bruises that you've picked up along the way. That's why I pray we can all 
have that overcoming spirit, understand what is ours in the power of the blood, the blood of the Lamb. There are people, part of the service right now, who because of an old sin or a failing ages ago, you feel like God won't hear you and that you have no power to overcome, like He's punishing you. Well, the devil, the accuser, will always try to hold your trespasses against you. But as the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Jesus does not hold your trespasses against you. He cleanses you through His blood. His covenant is in His blood. His covering is in His blood. His covering, your protection. People want to do something. They feel like they have to do something to earn His favour, to earn His forgiveness. Like you see people in maybe other parts of the world especially, and they flagellate themselves. Literally, they beat themselves and, until they're bleeding. And it's a, an attempt to appease God. Well, other people, us in our own lives, we feel like maybe we have to earn our way back. You don't need to do anything else. But it's human nature for us to feel that way. We walk by faith, not by sight. Listen again, we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith says, I believe. There's not something more you need to do to earn His favour. You simply believe. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. The Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith, it's what? It is difficult? No, impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Believe that He is, that He is who He says He is. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. We don't have to look for more. So how do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb. And that's when I, my encouragement is go into the enemy's camp and do exploits. And yes, when you begin to do exploits, you begin to do something big. You trust God and believe God for your life to be fruitful. Of course, the spirit of the Antichrist will come against you, but you will go over. Don't be scared of what the devil will do. Even when the spirit of the Antichrist will come at you hard, but in the name of Jesus, you will go over him. Amen. So by the blood of the Lamb, and number two, by the word of our testimony. In the message it says, by the bold word of our witness, or their witness. By the bold word of their witness. Your testimony is based on your convictions. So when you pray, think about this for a minute. There's a billion other prayers all going to God at the same time. And if they all had to travel, they all had to travel to God. And you're waiting in a line of a billion. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because our relationship with God through Jesus Christ is so personal. Tonight in church in Australia, I'm gonna be having a conversation with T.D. Jakes. I love that conversation with Bishop T.D. Jakes. And it was just the two of us. Well, if I had looked over to the right, there was a, 
a crew of people on cameras and things there. They're actually here now as well, faithful people. <laughs> this guy here, you can't see him, he's from Argentina. Yes, he is. Well, there was a whole lot more people in the room. It didn't feel like that, it was just a conversation. Through the channel, through our church and through the conversation, there'll actually be hundreds of thousands of people who feel like they were part of that conversation. But it was just He and I. And that's how it is with God. He's with you. He hears your deepest cry. He sees your struggle and He answers your bold prayers. When we pray, Father, I come in the Name of Jesus. We don't just pray to Jesus. We pray in the power of His Name. Father, in the Name of Jesus. And you know that moment when I say, in the Name of Jesus, it's no longer me speaking. It's not just Brian Houston. No, it's in the Name of Jesus Christ. Suddenly, He's the one taking authority. That Name opens heaven. That's our conviction. It's our claim, taking full possession of what is yours. I watched a documentary recently, some of you probably have seen it, about the space race between the USSR and the USA. And of course, when it came to landing on the moon, it was the USA who, what did they do? They put a flag on the moon. They claimed we're the first people here. And do you know, sometimes, we have to put our peg, we have to put our flag in the ground when it comes to the land that we are claiming. And so sometimes in laying claim to what God has for you, your inheritance, it may feel like you're running, you're running, you're running through thorny times, but don't claim that. Don't put your flag, don't put your peg there. There's a land for you. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Maybe you're dreaming of the future. That's where you put your peg. That's where you put your flag, amen. Because that's what, no matter what rails against you, you're going to come over through the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I'm gonna finish by talking about Abraham because God effectively says two things that seem to be at odds to Abraham. One was, uh, you have to go and kill your son, sacrifice Isaac. But the other one was that through him and that lineage, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You gotta kill your son, but through your son, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so Isaac starts to ask his little boy with his dad, he's, where's the lamb? In other words, he could see the wood. He could see the fire. He could see the altar. He could see it all, but there was no lamb. There was nothing to sacrifice. He says, where is the lamb? You know, Abraham, he didn't say to his son, son, this is your last day on earth. <laughs> he wasn't fatalistic at all. That's what he said. He said, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. And he tells a young man who was traveling with them, you wait for us here. We'll go and worship. Talking about he and Isaac, we will go and worship and we'll come back. That's what he was claiming that he and Isaac were gonna come back, that's where He put His peg. And that's how we overcome the blood of the Lamb, the Word of our testimony. If your dream is big, let me tell you, not even only when you do it, just saying it will get 
people angry. Ask Joseph in the Old Testament, just telling his brothers and even his father his dream made them angry. People will oppose, circumstances may oppose, the spirit of the Antichrist may come hard at you. But I'll tell you right now, if you stand on the blood of the Lamb, on the bold word of your testimony, and it may even feel like there's no way through this. This, this is the end. Opposition's challenges, they're all coming. Just don't put your peg in there. Go over. We're called to be overcomers. We shall overcome. If you believe it, say amen. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name for what you're doing amongst your people, what you're doing in our lives, Lord, even in these trying times. I know with confidence that you're working in us. And Lord, when people start to break through, they start to do something big. They display courage. They want their Christian life to go beyond themselves. And sometimes that spirit of that is antichrist, it will come against. But Lord, we are on your side. And even more powerful, you are on our side. And we thank you in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Well, very quickly, I want to ask you if you've given your life to Jesus, made a choice for Him. You can do that right now, wherever you are on your own, maybe even in the presence of other people. You can make a choice for Jesus. The Bible says, if you'll ask Him to come in your life, He will come in and He'll live in you. That's the most wonderful thing to do. Like I was speaking about maybe you've failed and you've failed regularly and you feel like God, well, He's not gonna answer your prayers. Believe me, in Jesus' Name, you can overcome. But the first step is knowing Jesus as Lord and Saviour. So right now, let me pray this prayer. A prayer believing for people to allow Jesus to be Lord and Saviour of their life, giving you a brand new future, giving you a brand new hope. We're gonna pray this prayer together. Right now, I believe, people will pass from death to life, from the old to the new, in Jesus' Name. Pray these words. Jesus, I thank You that You love me, that You have made a way for me. I thank You in Your Name that I can come to You, even in my failings and in my sin, and You'll forgive me. So I ask You now, Jesus, for your forgiveness of my life. And I thank you that you hear me and that you do answer. And Jesus, right now, I confess I'm a child of God, a new creation, a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for your forgiveness and mercy. I am a believer. Jesus is alive in me. Amen.